Welcome to the third episode of Make This Do That, a podcast about asking questions and solving problems for artists and makers. My name is Michael Lorsung. I am an artist, tinkerer, and experimenter. I started this podcast because I realized that I spend a good deal of time speaking to others about making. If you have a question, topic, or problem that you would like to bring to the podcast, email podcast at makethisdothat.org or call 612-276-2473 to leave us a voicemail. For these next three mini episodes, I am speaking with people who are starting to work in a new place. We will be covering what it means both pragmatically and psychologically to begin again. Today, I am speaking with Leah Hamill. Leah is a graduate of the MFA program in sculpture at Louisiana State University. Her work has been based around a variety of processes, including ceramics and paper making, among a host of others. She is currently living and working in Birmingham, Alabama, making ends meet as, a, as an adjunct faculty member at Lawson State. I'm here talking with her today about transition, new spaces, and what it means to start again. Thanks for being here, Leah. Um, you know, let's kind of jump right into this. Um, you are new again to Birmingham as of how long ago? Um, I guess officially, officially about six months ago. And before that, you were where? I spent a few months in uh, Brno, Czech Republic as a visiting instructor um, for their art and design programs, um, teaching a furniture design class and a drawing studio class. And prior to that, I spent seven years in Louisiana. Okay. And so now that you're back in, uh, in Birmingham, which is home to you, correct? Yes. Uh, or at least where you're from. Um, that is now that you're back there, you're, uh, it sounds like you're preparing to move into a brand new studio to you in, uh, in about a week. Uh, what's that space look like? Well, it's actually going to be the biggest at home studio I've ever had. Um, which is great. So, um, Right now, it's pretty bare. I inherited a really huge, wonderful architectural drafting table uh, just a couple of weeks ago that has been sitting in an empty space collecting dust for a couple of years. So um, that's been a fun experience, cleaning that up and uh, getting ready to use that as my main studio table. Um, so it's really been a lot of cleaning so far, um, just getting the space prepped and ready and kind of envisioning how I want to lay it out and what the first projects are going to be that I'm going to jump into. I feel like that's a kind of a big part of, um, of moving into a new studio space is sort of the anticipation. And I mean, it's not always pleasant, but the experience of, <laughs> of kind of getting that space ready, uh, at least for me, um, that usually takes a good bit of time to get to the point where I'm comfortable enough to want to start making work again in that space what kind of processes are you thinking that you're going to be focusing on in this space? Because I know that you mentioned that you sort of have access to some other facilities elsewhere in the city. Um, so what's going to happen here? Yeah, so um, the I guess there's some good and bad, but, you know, there's a lot of cross. It depends on how you look at it. Perspective is everything, right? Um, so in this new space and in this new city, uh, I haven't really established one space where I can do everything. Um, you know, there's some downfalls to that because I have to move around and go to different places to achieve my goals. So, you know, if I want to beat my paper pulp, I have one space where I can go to for that. Um, I have another space where I can go, um, for firing if I need kiln use, um, and the same thing with welding, if I ever need that. 
the great thing about that is, you know, right before this shutdown started, I was able to kind of connect with different people in the artistic community, um, which really helped me feel more at home here. I think the strangest thing about moving back home after so long is feeling a little bit like a stranger in, in my own hometown. That was really bizarre for me. Um, so kind of making those connections was really great. So the things that will happen in my personal at-home studio space will definitely be a lot of um, preparation in the ceramics realm, which I'm really excited about. I haven't worked in clay in a long time, and it's something I started getting back into. It's my last show, um, which was actually titled On My Way Home, and I titled it that before I ever knew I was going to be moving. <laughs> kind of a funny little story. Um, and a lot of the post-preparation work. So the sculptural building of um, my paper works. So I'll, I'll probably beat the paper somewhere else where I have a paper beater and then bring all of the pulp home, pull the paper there sure. and build and construct there. So it depends on what material. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I think that, you know, one thing that I've realized kind of in the midst of all of this, and then also just like in the, I don't know how many studios I've had to date, but there's been a lot of them. And so I've moved around a lot and I've had a lot of like ad hoc studios and, and that kind of thing. And I, I feel like that flexibility is really critical. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all dream about the studio where everything's in under one roof or at least in the same place and we can just access it whenever we need to. I don't know very many people for who that's a reality, but um, being flexible and being able to sort of also find those resources, which it sounds like you've done a good job of, kind of navigating to this point that you can engage with to get the work that you need to get done, done. Um, that's kind of exciting in its own right, even if it at times is a little bit inconvenient to have to kind of uproot yourself to engage in a new process and not be able to kind of immediately gratify the urge to do something by just walking outside and doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, you said like one of the things that you noticed about moving back was kind of feeling like a stranger in your own city. Um, I guess they say that you can never go home, but people are doing it all the time. And, uh, I moved back to Minneapolis, uh, in 2008 for about a year, which is where I was born and where I grew up. Um, and I had sort of a similar experience where I, I got to this place that was vastly different from how I remembered it, both because it had changed and obviously I had hopefully changed as well. Um, what are some of the differences that you've noticed and, and how is that sort of affecting your, sense of how to engage with the community, how to create community, how to access resources and that kind of thing? Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> what a complicated <laughs> question. <laughs> There's a lot of parts there. Yeah, there are. Um, okay, let me see if I can answer all the parts. Um, okay, so, well, really similarly to how you felt when you went back to Minneapolis is a lot that, you know, the, the city has changed. Um, the city has changed in a lot of really positive ways, um, which I think is really great. Birmingham has always been um, a really diverse community, um, which is something that I've always really loved about it. You know, that was something I would always tell people when I would meet them and they would be really skeptical about the South. I would say, no, you really have to go visit Birmingham because it's different there. Um, so I feel like it's really expanded in that way. Um, and so it's, you know, it's changed um, in a few ways like that. It's, it's grown in a few ways. 
and of course, like you said, I also have grown and changed and learned new things. And I definitely made a new home for myself um, in South Louisiana. So a whole new community, um, a whole new social network. And that's something that, um, you know, when I left and went away, so did a lot of those other people that were here that I was connected to. Um, so it's a lot of that. It's a lot of, you know, finding and making new connections, finding out, you know, where are people showing here? Um, how to show my art here? You know, what does the art community look like now as opposed to, you know, seven years ago? Um, and, and how to kind of find a, a new way to meld maybe parts of who I was before and who I became when I was away and who I'm becoming now into uh, this new space that I'm finding. Sure. Um, I think that's a great answer. I wonder um, if you could talk about maybe like the top three, if you had to rank them or, or put them in some kind of hierarchy, or top three or five or whatever uh, resources that you found in the Birmingham area um, upon your return here. Like what, uh, what stuck out to you as being like, wow, this is a really great thing that artists should know about and that people should be engaged with. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So UAB actually has this incredible um, visual arts program and um, a visual arts gallery. They have one of the best university art galleries that I've ever seen, which is kind of funny because it's a medical school or that's what it's known for. Um, but anyone who comes to visit Birmingham, I would definitely say to go to the Abram Ingalls Institute for Visual Arts and check it out because it is really just architecturally on its own without going to see a show, a really incredible building inside and out. Um, so that's one really fantastic space that's new and a great resource and a, a great place for social networking, um, a great place to see art. Sure. Um, another one, um, is called Studio by the Tracks, and it's actually, um, well, okay, so it's it's a place w for adults with autism. So I've been volunteering at Studio by the Tracks. It was a place that I've known about for a long, long time, but when I was an undergrad, I, I didn't really have a lot of spare time to participate in that um, organization, but I'd heard a lot about it. And um, they're really connected with the community. And I would definitely say, you know, anyone who's got roots in Birmingham or who's sticking around for a little while, uh, that is a really great place to connect with. The people there are incredible. Um, the adults that, that go and make art there are incredible. Um, and they have a lot going on. They, they sell all of their art. Um, and they even have an online shop for people who don't live in Birmingham. Um, and it's all art that's created by the adults that, that have autism that come there. And, sure. and the adults actually get the income from, from the artwork that they make. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, and, of course, the Birmingham Museum of Art, I think, is, has been one of the long-running places that I think is, like, a really great go-to place. Um, on a big scale, and I know you said three, but I just wanted to throw out Birmingham Museum of Art because they have one of the largest ceramic collections, at least I know for sure in the Southeast, but potentially in the whole country. Yeah, I've, I've actually seen that collection. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. 
it's incredible. Um, but the fourth one I think is really cool and really important is um, Melissa yes, and um, Anne Tronson. They created a new contemporary space here recently called Vinegar. It's called Vinegar Contemporary. Um, they've had one show. They had their opening um, not long before the shutdown started. So I know that they're anxious to, you know, get things rolling. And I think that's going to be a really valuable resource for our community. Um, and I'm really excited that Melissa is here. Yeah, I'm familiar with her and, and Vinegar sort of tangentially. Um, I'll definitely provide links in the show notes to all of these resources. One thing that you talk, one of the sort of challenges, and, and I know there's a host of them. I just got done with another one of these uh, sort of mini interview episodes. And I um, feel like we're talking about some of the same stuff, but it's interesting because we're talking about it from very different perspectives. Um, and one of the things that you mentioned and that was also brought up in this previous interview was uh, about sort of the fact that like critique happens way less. <laughs> um, and, and I know from experience that that's been, whenever I go somewhere new, whenever I sort of uproot oh, myself, gosh, and then yes. especially like leaving academia, whether you're leaving it as a, a former student or you're leaving a faculty position that you're sort of entrenched in <laughs> in whatever way, uh, I, I know that that's something that really quickly disappears because it's such a fundamental sort of staple of the institution itself. So what strategies, uh, what resources have you found or created uh, to, to start to kind of try to, to fill that in? Or what do you see happening that way? What's, uh, what's your plan? Um, so something that I've tried to keep up with, you know, and, and tried to really like allow myself to be open to since, you know, leaving grad school is reaching out to a few of, you know, my former graduate colleagues or people who I've met along the way that are my, consider my peers. Um, who I know will be really honest with me. Um, so I try my best to reach out to those people when I'm in the midst of making. Um, and I also try to reach out to people that I respect um, in academia and whatever institution it is that I'm working in at the time. Uh, you know, as an adjunct, you're all over the place. <laughs> um, sure. So I've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of different people. Um, but, you know, Interestingly enough, I, I find more, I have found um, that my peers are willing to be more honest with me than faculty members at the schools that I have been teaching at. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, part of it's that there's a professional relationship at stake, maybe. Sure people are less maybe outwardly inclined to offer, you know, really sort of sharp criticism that way. I don't know. It depends. Um, I'm sure. And I'm sure it's greatly variable from place to place and person to person. Um, in addition to, to that as a as sort of a challenge, like what else do you want to, you know, what else would you sort of point to as being a, um, a kind of a point of contention or a sticking point for you in kind of getting this new practice or this old practice off the ground in a new place? Oh, honestly, I think it's my own fear. I think that's like the place where I find the most friction. How do you deal with that? What's your, what are your, you know, what are your strategies? Cause I think that's really common. <laughs> Um, I think that I have to really tap back in. Honestly, I have to kind of give myself a pep talk, go back and, and look at where I've had some successes and just like kind of just be a friend to myself and say, okay, well, you know what, like it might be a new practice, 
or it might be an old practice that I'm feeling really new at again. Um, and I might be like a baby giraffe when I put my hands in clay for the first time in a couple of weeks, um, you know, for or at least for the first time in a year or so. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I have to kind of remember not to judge myself. So I think it's just kind of a lot of times in my old studio when I was at LSU, I would have a big piece of butcher paper and I would put it up on the wall and anything that I would think of, anything that, you know, was, you know, either holding me back with whatever I was working on or anything like that, I would write it down in Sharpie and it would really help kind of get it out of my head and make it into something physical. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, I think any kind of sketching like that, whether it's, you know, in a sketchbook or on a wall, I, you know, I really like the, um, the role of butcher paper idea. Um, because it, it kind of also keeps it in your face a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's easy for me to like shut a sketchbook and kind of just like forget what's in there. Um, I'm certainly guilty of that. Yeah, I think like that combined with kind of making it this, um, you know, like a daily habit, you know, even if I'm not spending, you know, a full work session in my studio every day, at least spending a few minutes in that space every day just to get back into the rhythm of of that like working mode i think that's what's gonna i think that's i mean i think that's great (laughs) advice and it's something that's worked for me for sure i think i try to spend time in the studio every day even if it's just to kind of go out there and sit and look at what's there and what maybe needs to be done um exactly it's a way to put myself in the mindset of making um and also to really sort of I think reemphasized to myself that, you know, in order to be making, I don't have to be producing, um, which I think sometimes yeah. it's easy to feel like, oh, like I'm not making anything or nothing's happening. So nothing's happening. And there's so much that happens below the surface that I think is difficult to quantify and almost impossible to see that, uh, that recognizing that and acknowledging that I think is a helpful way to kind of allay some of those fears, although it's easier said than done most of the time. Yep, I agree. Um, what do you, uh, as we sort of wrap this up, what are you, what are you working on that you want to talk about? This is your opportunity to sort of plug, plug the project that you're, uh, that you're currently engaged with, or, or anything else. So, um, since I haven't had my own studio, and I've been bouncing around all over the place um, for the last ten or eleven months, um, I've gotten really interested in drawing, um, which is something that I've you know, always kind of avoided aside from, you know, sketching for my sculptural projects. Um, So drawing has um, kind of become a new love of mine and I'm looking to incorporate that into some new work that will be um, an offshoot from the work that I created last year, the On My Way um, Home project. And this new project um, is gonna be all about this idea of being under construction so um whether that be things that you're observing in your surroundings or yourself um i'm really interested in that idea of things like constantly being um under construction or under this like process of building or growing sounds like you were heavily influenced by your time in louisiana (laughs) i really was Uh, and maybe maybe the south in general um i feel like construction is a is a perennial endeavor uh just because of the way that things are there whether it's environmentally or economically 
Yeah. Well, that sounds great. And I think that you said you were going to maybe uh, we'll be able to provide a link to uh, to some of that work coming up. I know that it hasn't been released yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, before we jump off here, is there anything else that you feel like we should touch on about sort of new spaces, uh, moving, starting over, starting again or starting for the first time? Um, I, you know, I think I would honestly like to hear from more people who are working cross-disciplinary um just about you know like how they dive into something that maybe isn't um their what they've mastered in but something they've been really interested in how do they you know how do they face kind of stepping into this new realm um because that's kind of the question i still have for myself is you know like how do how do i step into this new realm sure no i I think that's a (laughs) i mean i think that's a great kind of um I think that's a great line of inquiry and I will, I'll post that on Instagram when I post this new episode. So you guys will be seeing that on Instagram with alongside this story and you'll be able to respond to it. Um, and then I'd also ask that if anyone has any comments about that, um, I will also post the voicemail number, uh, in the show notes. And if you want to call up and give a slightly longer response than what you can give on Instagram, I'll go ahead and, and post those responses on a coming episode. Um, Thank you so much for, for joining me here today. And I look forward to seeing the new work and the new studio space as it develops. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was really great to connect with you after so long. This has been Make This Do That, a podcast about asking questions and solving problems. If you have something that you would like to contribute, email podcast at makethisdothat.org or call 612-276-2473 to leave us a voicemail. Thanks again for listening.